Hello and welcome to Potshot and welcome back to the Snapshot series. I'm Alex Towles and I am joined by Case Van Hebben to discuss Urine Timber. Hello Case, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm pretty good. It's quite sunny, which makes a change. It's been a rainy, rainy day in southwest England. So Case, as I'm sure you're aware, is a member of the Devils in the Details podcast alongside Aaron Manise. They're both good friends of the pod, and uh, we encourage you go and check them out if you feel like listening to people talk about Manchester United, or occasionally Arsenal transfers, as you did on your most recent episode. Um, but today we are going to be discussing Yuri and Timber, because alongside being a United fan, uh, you are a follower of the Dutch national team. Let's get straight into it. Um, unlike some of the other snapshots we've done, Urien Timber is not a Premier League player. He obviously comes from the Eredivisie, uh, being an Ajax player, so I doubt many people listening to this will have seen very much of him, know very much about him at all. Uh, can you just give me an intro to who Urien Timber is? Sure. So I think the main thing that people know about Timber at surface level is that he's short for the position that he plays, which is predominantly center back, right? Um, and that is true. Uh, he's a very, very short center back. Uh, mm-hmm. I say that less because he's short and more because I think it's important to note that he really is a center back. Um, he's spent minutes playing right back. He's capable of it, mostly because he's very technical. Um but it's really not his main position. It's not where he's most comfortable positionally. Um, and I think a lot of the, the value that he can add at center back gets lost at right back because he has a relative advantage because of his technical skills at center back that he doesn't necessarily have at right back. Um, so I think that's really how I would frame who he is as a player at, at his core. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a very fun player to watch. He's very aggressive out of possession. Um, and he can do a lot of things that center backs often can't do. Yeah, uh, I think, so, I haven't watched much Yuri and Timber. Uh, I've watched about about a half worth of actual match footage, and also one compilation that came up on Twitter of him dribbling round players in a way that centre-backs have no real right to do. Uh, so, would you say that that kind of ball-carrying is his main skill? Yes, definitely. I, I think I would go so far as to say Timber is probably one of the three most press-resistant center backs in the sport, um, and probably amongst the the top. I'm making these numbers up basically, but I'm, I would say like top ten, top twenty most press-resistant players in the sport. He is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult to take the ball off of, and that's basically where his value comes at the top level of the of the game. Uh, there are other parts of his game to like. But that is the thing that stands out and makes I think most people think he can he can play at the you know the top of the Premier League. So he's really hard to take the ball off of. Um, is he good at translating that into into value? Does that make sense? Like, is he good at doing stuff with the ball now he's not lost it? Less so. Um, for what it's worth, I, I I realize I'm nitpicking your your wording here. I, I think that inherently has value in a in a game that's increasingly becoming about pressing, right? Mm-hmm. But I also see where you're going with this. I don't think he's a particular he's not a, a particularly good passer, uh, progressive or otherwise. He, he's he's technically capable of of being consistent with 
how he passes the ball, but he's not particularly aggressive moving the ball forward down the pitch, making incisive passes. Um, this was actually a huge problem at a team level uh, this past season because Lisandro Martinez obviously left Ajax um, and it created a, a real hole in their back line in terms of moving the ball uh, forward down the pitch, especially in January, Daily Blint left for Bayern Munich and they lost their two main progressive outlets. And you really started to see a hole in Timber's game, uh, which was his inability to, to be the main man when it came to progressing the ball. Uh, and, and there were times where the, where the side looked very stale. And I think this was a bit of a disappointment for people who had high expectations for Timber uh, because there was this perception that he would step up in Martinez's absence. And I would say that he really didn't in this capacity. Uh, so that's something worth keeping in mind. I really don't think he'll be a... I think he'd probably be of the four, you know, saying White, Saliba, Gabriel, and him, of those four center back options, I'd say he's decidedly the least progressive with his passing. Um, yeah. And, and in terms of otherwise being prog like progressive with his carrying, he, he does it. Um, but I, I think it, in general... It's not the same, right? Because center backs don't carry mm. the same way midfielders do. They don't break into the box um, from the midfield line. That's really not how ball carrying plays out from that position. Um, so it's two kind of different things. Okay, yeah. Uh, let, let's drill into his history at Ajax a little bit more. You mentioned how he's played alongside uh, Lisandro Martinez, uh, Daily Blind in at times in the Ajax backline. Can you expand a little bit more on what his role has been for Ajax? Yeah, so overwhelmingly he's played right centre back in a back four. In the moments when when the, that back four has been functional, and that, I'd say that's the majority of the time, uh, this past season being a, a noteworthy exception, um, he has been the sort of secure in possession outlet when they were under a lot of pressure, uh, which was generally rare because you don't see a ton of high pressure at the top level of Dutch football exceeding the, the bigger matches. He was the player who would get the ball uh, when they sort of need to slow it down and, and be more secure with the ball. Out of possession, he was overwhelmingly the aggressor. He is of the two center backs. And honestly, Martinez is pretty on the front foot as well, but of the two of them, far more on the front foot. Extremely aggressive in going into duels. Um, relatively strong. I would say he's very, very strong in duels given his size. And his size also allows him certain angles uh, when he's confronting dribblers that most large center backs don't really have. And so I think it's actually more of an advantage in the open field than it is a disadvantage. And he, he leverages that a lot. Otherwise, he obviously he's a relatively versatile player, so he also spent minutes at right back. It's part of his role. Uh, but I, I would say that had more to do with instability at that position uh, at the club than it did his true aptitude at that position, if that makes sense. You mentioned his aggression there, and even the limited minutes of Timber that I've watched, that really shone through. I remember a moment in one game in particular I watched where he charged out of defence and left a gaping hole behind him that the opposition exploited to score. That left me worrying about how that aggression could translate to the Premier League, where, as you know, teams can exploit weaknesses very, very easily in back lines. How, how do you think um, his aggressiveness will translate 
I think it will translate fine if you assume that he's partnered with the right players. Um, I think one thing, I think people, a lot of people look at that Lisandro Timber backline and, and they see, again, the height, right? I think what I see, and overwhelmingly this is this was true in Champions League play as well against some pretty big sides. Um, Dortmund, they ultimately went out to Benfica, but uh, not, not for any really transition defense issues. It had more to do with other problems that I won't get into on this podcast, on this podcast. Um, overwhelmingly that what that height allowed them was greater agility in, in the open pitch. And I helped play an extremely aggressive high line, uh, or at least they did at the time. And as a result, you really saw them leverage the increased agility of their defenders and the increased aggression of their defenders to cover a huge area of pitch. And so on the one hand, there was high risk in it, but it was hyper effective. And the reason it, it worked less effectively this past season was because Timber was paired with somebody like Calvin Bassey, who is a lot less agile. He really did not acquit himself very well, carrying out certain sequences in transition defense, covering for Timber. Uh, he was much easier to turn. But as a unit, when Lisandro Martinez was playing with Timber, the two of them were incredibly, incredibly adept at carry, at covering large areas of space. And I think it was because of that aggression, not in spite of that aggression. Um, so while there's risk in it, I don't really think it's going to be a huge issue in the Premier League in the context of, of an effective team press. Uh, it could be if... I think Gabriel is actually kind of compar- like the most comparable of Arsenal's three center backs to Bassi. Um, in terms of how he behaves in open space, it could be an issue, but I think Arsenal in general have the, have the right personnel to, to back him up in this, and I don't think it should be a huge issue. Yeah, because when I think of uh, centre-back options, I think of Gabriel as the more aggressive one, and then Saliba as someone who sits back a little bit more and is more of a sweeping centre-back. So would you suggest maybe if Timber was going to play regularly as a right centre-back for Arsenal, that Saliba would move across to left centre-back? Possibly. I, again, I, I would note that Lisandro Martinez also is, is a very front-footed centre-back and he played beside Timber and I would say he was mm. almost a perfect partner to him. Um, so I'm not sure that it's just about being con- you know conservative and, and sweeping, like you said. And it has more to do with, you know, and this is pretty nebulous and, and doesn't really mean anything in a vacuum without being able to show it on a, a, you know, on video, but knowing when to cover and knowing when to, you know, follow and be aggressive at the same times um, to cut out things before they even begin, right? Because if one center back jumps in and the other one stays back, you can just as easily wind up in a 1v1 situation in the middle of space, depending on the situation. So it, it's... I wouldn't go so far as to say, like, Saliba is the better partner to Timber, um, but I could see it playing out that way. Timber's always been a part of these kind of weird, unique centre-back pairings, partially as a, as a result of who he is, right? He's a five foot eight centre-back. That on its own is weird, and it's always going to look weird. Um, in general, I'll say this much. I think Timber's physical profile benefits him more than it hurts him playing centre-back. Yeah, because the agility is a bigger gain than 
the aerial prowess is a loss. Yeah, and I think, actually, this is a, a good transition point. I don't know if this is where you wanted to go with it, but addressing the air, the aerial question, um, he is bad in the air. There's no doubt about it. He's worse than Martinez by a pretty large distance, I would say. Um, he doesn't really have the same tricks down that Martinez does to throw attacking players off um, and sort of disrupt their ability to meet the ball cleanly. Uh, he actually was at fault for Ajax going out to Benfica. Uh, he basically just got bodied at a corner by Darwin Nunez. Um, that conceded a goal it was ultimately the goal that sent them out of the Champions League two years ago. Um, you more frequently see him get exploited uh, in, the, in those situations. But again, like you just said, you took the words out of my mouth, he gains more from the agility than he loses from the, the lost aerial ability. Um, and I think especially as Arsenal look to become a side like City, where you're not really spending a lot of time camped in your own half, uh, the more that becomes true. Because the more threatening situations start to be, start to come from high-speed transitions into your own half, where agility is going to be more of a, a factor than you know seeing 30, 40, 50 crosses in a match. You're almost never going to see that anymore. All of that said, I mean, I, I, I imagine in... There's some Arsenal fans listening to this who are thinking about uh, the Brentford match uh, this past season where Tony just kind of took their, took your back line to town. Yeah, I could see how Timber might be an issue there, but also I, I wouldn't necessarily say what was happening there was entirely just straight-up aerial prowess, right? Um, a lot of it was Tony's ability to gain leverage, um, which I don't think he'll have such an easy time doing against Timber, partially because of his size. Um so I, I, a lot of this stuff isn't, you know, one plus one equals two. It's, it's a little more complicated. Yeah, I think, like, with the Brentford example, like, if we think Timber's going to be a problem against Brentford, we probably just won't play him against Brentford. Part of his signing is to give us options across that back line. But we'll get on to that later. You mentioned that Lissandro Martinez might be almost the perfect partner for Timber and that very aggressive centre-back pairing really, really suited his skill set. Um, so would you say that that's his ideal role or can you imagine in a vacuum a role that would be like even better for Timber? So for the Dutch Nash, I don't know that this is necessarily his ideal role, but a different role that he played at a really high level was with the Dutch national team. Um, he played on the right side of a back three for the better part of a year. And he was hyper effective there. It really, it suited his skill set. He's very comfortable defending space. Great for a wide center back. Uh, so that suited him a lot. He is very comfortable isolated on the ball, which is great for a wide center back. You can do that very well. He's hyper aggressive. He loves stepping into midfield. That's great for a wide center back in a back three. He does that really well. Um, so a lot of it just fit. And he wound up benching a couple of players who otherwise are much higher pro higher profile center backs uh, for reasons that I think people who weren't watching him weekly or you know maybe monthly with the international breaks um, probably had trouble understanding. But he really does suit the right center back in a back three very very well. Uh, so if you I, if I were to cook up you know the the perfect role for him, maybe that's what it looks like. But I also I, I like him as the right center as a center back in a back two. I, I really do think he can do that at the Premier League level. 
Okay. Um, it's interesting that you mention the back three, because in possession, we've talked a lot this season about Arsenal playing in that 3-2-2-3 shape, where the right centre-back has been Ben White, who nominally on the team sheet has been a right-back. But you said Timber isn't a right-back. Do you think he'd be able to slot in at Arsenal in that role if it was more conservative, more akin to the right centre-back in a back three? Or do you think he'd struggle still? No, I don't think he should struggle in that role. I think when I look at this move, the aspect of it that doesn't make sense to me, and maybe this is a question for you, is it just seems like a bit of a redundant, I don't want to say profile because he's a unique profile on his own, but a redundant, a redundancy in the squad building. Because I see in Ben White and Tomoyasu, and I know people have said, I think maybe you told me, Arteta doesn't view Tomoyasu as a center-back option. Fair enough. But in Saliba, White, and Tomoyasu, you have three players who cover, I think, right center-back and right-back pretty comprehensively. Um, and I think White is a much, much, much better player past the halfway line in the attacking half than Timber is uh, for a variety of reasons. I think he's a much better, like a far, 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 far better passer. I realize I'm, this sounds like I'm exaggerating, but I, th- I think White is probably one of the best passers in any back line in the sport. And I don't think Timber is even like upper 50th percentile in terms of his range and what he is willing to attempt. So for me, the aspect of this move that doesn't make sense is I think you're downgrading if you've got Timber in the side below Saliba for a couple of reasons. I think you're downgrading if, you're, if you've got him in the side below White. Um, and, and not just in terms of raw quality, but in terms of key criteria for the positions that they play in the system that Arteta seemed to want to play this past season. Obviously, things could change this year. Um, All of that said, yeah, I think he's a pretty clean second choice to White in in that role. I think he can do a lot of what White does, but I think he also can't do a lot of what White does. So, Just to emphasize, you think he can't. Not that he doesn't now and might be able to learn in the future. You think that is something that is missing from his game and will always be missing from his game. The passing specifically? I, I, I think he can yeah. play the role that White, that White plays, to be clear. Um, mm-hmm. I look at it this way. I think White is one of the best in the sport at certain aspects of, of passing the ball from certain areas of the pitch. I don't think you develop that that level, that elite level in a player who's already playing senior football, I think it's pretty rare. I'm not saying Timber can't get a lot better and be like a, a value added passer. Totally plausible. I just don't think you get to that like 99th percentile group just because I think it's just super rare. Like mm. I think you have to have natural aptitude beyond that to wind up in that group. So could get better, never going to be as good as white. Yes. Awesome. In that aspect. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I think partly the redundancy is kind of why we've made the move. Um, 
Firstly, yeah, Tommy Asu hasn't played centre-back in ages. I think he's viewed more as cover across both full-back positions. In fact, his best performance of the last season, uh, if you ask most Arsenal fans, came at left-back, where he just shut down Mohamed Salah playing against Liverpool. Um, the way it makes sense in my head is going into a Champions League season where we're going to be playing a lot more games. It's good to have a back up to both the right centre-back and right-back positions that will be relatively plug-and-play. Um, yeah, he is kind of just a Rob Holding replacement, <laughs> is what it boils down to. We, I think we as a team were burned by the drop-off in our ability as a team when Rob Holding came in for a sustained period of time in the back end of last season, and I reckon that this signing is a way of counterbalancing that. Not that he will get, like, the low number of minutes that Rob Holding would. I think we'll see more of Timber just in general rotation than we would have seen of Rob Holding. But I, I think, like, the redundancy, the fact that he's quite similar in terms of, like, not in terms of what he offers, but in terms of the positions that he plays to Saliba, to White, is kind of the point, right? To be able to just swap him in. Yeah, I hear that. I just I, w- I wonder how many minutes are actually going to be available uh, if you avoid injury, which I think is plausible. The end of this past season where you see Saliba and Tomiyasu go down at the same time is not likely to happen again. And I, that's that's why mm. you saw so much of holding. And I like I, I hear you. He, he'll probably rotate in more than holding would. Mm. But I just wonder how many minutes are actually available for him when things are going properly, which again, stuff happens in a Premier League season, but it's, I feel like the, the same injury pattern where you lose, let's say white and Tomiyasu or Saliba and Tomiyasu or some combination of those three at the same time seems unlikely to me to happen again. And if it doesn't, I just wonder if you have more than like a thousand, 1200 minutes to give him. And I do think he's ultimately going to want more than that. Um, but that's obvious. That's a really, that's a, Long-term issue. Well, it, it. I think this is something we'll have to see with Arteta as a manager. We haven't seen him manage a squad of 16, 17, 18 guys who all want to be starting every week, the kind of thing that Guardiola has at City. The way Guardiola manages it at City is that everyone gets, what, 2,000-ish minutes, and there's no one who's... There aren't really, outside of two or three guys, people starting literally every single week. We might see that at Arsenal. We also might not, and Timber will get annoyed that he's not starting. Um, That's a question that I think will remain unanswered until we see it happen. Yeah. the, The reason I bring it up is because this is a player who deliberately did not leave his previous club last summer with the pretext of wanting stable minutes um, okay so just something to keep in mind assuming that hasn't changed then we can assume that in the dream he's been sold by Arteta and Edu he's been sold the idea of somewhat stable minutes where those come will be interesting yeah I agree I'm about to hit you with a, a left field shout um, because I saw friend of the podcast, uh, Manus, 
on Twitter discussing some of Timber's uh, data, uh, and he used particularly like Timber's touch map and where he carries the ball into to suggest that Timber might be able to play a similar role to what we've seen John Stones take up for Manchester City in the back half of this season, where he is nominally a centre-back, but then pushes up to be part of the two in a 3-2 build-up in possession. But instead of doing it from inverting as a full-back, he's doing it from pushing up as a centre-back. Do you think that's something Timber can do? My initial reaction is no. However, I probably would have said the same thing about Stones had you asked me a year ago. So maybe. Uh, I, I just generally think receiving the ball with your back to goal, especially in midfield spaces where you can have pressure from almost any you know, angle, is one of the hardest skills in the sport. And assuming somebody can do it when we haven't seen them do it makes me very nervous. And this is actually something we talk about on our podcast a lot is – Lots of players can do things that you haven't seen them do. But generally, it is a lot safer to go in assuming they cannot. Uh, and to, to make transfer moves under the assumption that the player that we see is the player that we're getting. Maybe we can add a few things, but we shouldn't expect them to be somebody they aren't. Um, all of that said, again, I go back to my initial thing. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, I'm not going <laughs> to say no. I, I think, for me, going off of what we've talked about today, I think my biggest worry would be the passing side of things, because I think part of what makes John Stones work in that role is that he started out as a really, really great passing centre-back. And, as you said earlier, Timber doesn't really have that expansive range, so that makes me think it might not be ideal for him to push up because he's not really going to be punching the passes through to make it really worth it. Yeah, I, I think a thing about Stones this past season is that he showed himself to just be technically one of the most well-rounded footballers in the sport. Uh, like, really what he did is is astounding and, and all, for me, a, a little unbelievable in terms of he can do almost anything. <laughs> which is pretty yeah. crazy. Like, like once once you've played center back in the role he's played center back, and you've played in functionally in midfield in the role he's played in midfield, doing the things that he does, you can basically perform almost any technical feat in the sport, which is pretty crazy. Mm. I say that because I don't necessarily think Timber's passing range would be the issue here, but okay. I th- I'm not saying it's not. But I just think Stones is so unique. It just makes me so nervous to make these comparisons. Like, it Mm. reminds me of, um, do you remember like a decade ago when, uh, it's more than a decade, I guess now, but Pep had used Messi as a false nine and everybody was talking Mm -hmm. about, oh, is false nine the the next thing in the sport? That's, everybody's gonna start using a false nine and we need to start looking for our false nine. And people were like, oh, can so-and-so be Jose's false nine? No, they're not Messi. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And again, I'm comparing John Stones to Messi, and I probably shouldn't be doing that. But I think it communicates the idea, which is you've got a very unique footballer who can do these 
this incredible plethora of things and interpret them in this very unique way. And I don't know that anyone can do it at the same level. We've just sat down as an Arsenal fan and a United fan and compared Manchester City's John Stones to Lionel Messi. Incredible. (laughs) Thank you, Case, for joining us. This has been a really, really interesting discussion and I hope you listening have learned a bit more about Durian Timber. I certainly have. It makes me excited and curious to see how he'll fit into our system next season. Case, thanks for coming on. If people want to find more of you, where can they do so? The Devils in the Details podcast. Uh, I'm not so active on Twitter anymore, but we have a pod account, Devils ITD pod uh, on Twitter, and we've got the podcast too. And like Alex said, we talk about mostly United, but we also go on tangents just generally about the sport and about the Premier League in particular. And this past episode was actually half about Arsenal. So if you're interested, go ahead and listen. Uh, Yeah. Yes, I highly recommend Devils in the Details. It's one of the pods that I listen to in my regular rotation. And I learn a lot from listening to Aaron and Case, not just about United and about football, but how I want to make podcasts. So if you like how I make podcasts, you'll probably like how Aaron and Case make podcasts. Thank you to James Blake for making our music. He is on Spotify at JWBlake. We will be back with some more regular podcasts very, very soon. Cheers.